0: I want to begin reading again with verse 4, and I'll read through verse 11. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh at one, and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Now what we want to look at is verse 10. We have spent a couple of lessons dealing with the preceding verses, and tonight we want to start in on prophecy and then discerning of spirits we'll see how far we get may even get a little bit further but let's let's pray Uh, heavenly father we are grateful for an opportunity to fellowship with the saints as we take the time to look into the scripture we need you to speak to all of our hearts and more than anything else lord we covet we desire these spiritual gifts as you have placed in your word follow after charity but pursue Spiritual gifts, desires, spiritual gifts in Jesus name, and everyone said, Amen. Okay, we have explained the other ones, the word of wisdom having to be connected with the first three chapters of First Corinthians and we told you that it's the same word, wisdom in all of the different chapters. and wisdom has to do, With the right application of knowledge, supernatural application, but the implications always affects the future. Whatever decision you make on the basis of the word of wisdom will have something to do with your tomorrow or future event. Word of knowledge, of course, God has all the facts and information for past, present and future. So he can give you whatever amount of information he desires to give you. We explained to you that faith comes in many different measures. We looked at Romans 12. We told you that in order to believe, you had to hear the gospel. Spirit of God has to provide power to believe. And then we explained to you that as a Christian, There are certain challenges or tests and things that arise in your life and God gives you a supernatural ability to have trust and confidence in him that you are never intimidated by the circumstances. And that kind of faith usually is the doorway that opens into what we then have with gifts of healings and working of miracles healings have to do with the recovery of health, working of miracles having to do with all kinds of supernatural interventions, things that God has to do on his own because we cannot do them ourselves. But now when we talk about prophecy, we want to remind you that prophecy has to do with an utterance. It's a speech, but then Prophecy, as we know from the Old Testament, also can be written down as God gives it to someone. But let's go over the first Corinthians 14 now and let's look at a few verses here in first Corinthians 14. Talking about prophecy presently. Notice in verse three, he that prophesies speaks to men to edification, exhortation and comfort. So you can see there are three aspects of prophecy that are recorded here. But if you come down to verse 24 and 25, you can see if all prophesy and there come in someone who doesn't believe or is unlearned, he's convinced he's judged of all and the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So in the element or, or one of the aspects of prophecy can be predictive. Old Testament prophets had the ability to see things. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, they could then prophesy things that had not come to pass as of yet. You say, who in the Old Testament was able to do that? Well, a whole lot of them. But just think of uh, someone like Elijah. He said, it's not going to rain till I tell it to rain. How would he have known that? God had to have told him that. Then Isaiah, of course, he prophesied that a virgin would have a baby That's 800 years before Christ. How could he have known that The spirit of God on his life in the book of Acts? It talks about Agabus uh, coming to Paul and saying, let me have your belt. Then he took his belt, tied his hands and said, thus saith the Lord, the one that owns this belt also shall be bound. And that's what happened when he went to Jerusalem. So in, in the in the local situation with the church, one of the manifestations of the spirit is then what we call prophecy. Uh, prophecy, again, being an utterance. Look at First Corinthians 14, verse one. Follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So we we we're trying to emphasize that God is able to use his people to speak forth the word of the Lord. Uh, There are those who will say something like this. Uh, These manifestations ceased with the last apostles, the death of the last apostles. Then my question is, why would God stop doing what he was doing in the early church just because some man or woman died? There were 70 others that God gave power to that we know from the Gospel of Luke. And what happens if some of them were still alive and the apostles died? Well, the manifestation of the Lord doesn't change. Understandably, then, if there is a manifestation of prophecy, then we certainly want to know what it is that God is saying to his people. Uh, We're still in first Corinthians 14. Notice verse 22. It says tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to those who don't believe, but prophesying serves not for them that don't believe, but for them which believe. So if you're in a service and a prophecy is given, then, of course, the only way the congregation can be edified is if that prophecy is given in a language people can comprehend. So, so this is why if a person is in a church in Korea, if you hear a prophecy, it's typically going to be in a Korean tongue. If you're in Africa, you're going to hear it in a dialect over there that people speak. And here in America, of course, if it's going to benefit you at all, it's going to have to be in English. So this is important in understanding that now, coming back to first Corinthians 12 now. It says here, to another, the discerning of spirits. Now, this is not the gift of suspicion. And this is not you suspecting someone to have a devil. This is the discerning of spirits where God gives you an ability at that moment To be able to perceive if the the source of this manifestation is of God. If it's of the devil. Or if you're just dealing with somebody who's just carnal and fleshly. Now There are illustrations of this in the scripture. And I think we should probably now go to Acts chapter number 8. And let's look at this man Peter. So in Acts chapter 8. Peter and John came down from Jerusalem in verse 14 because they heard about the revival. And they prayed for people in verse 15 to receive the Holy Ghost. Then in verse 17, they laid hands on them and they received so obviously the reception of the spirit of god had such a powerful manifestation that simon the sorcerer said in verse 18 i want this power also and i'll buy it from you so notice what peter says in verse 20 your money perished with you because you thought the gift of god may be purchased with money you don't have any part or lot in this matter and your heart is not right in the sight of god so peter was able to discern That this man was in a wrong condition. And sometimes God gives you the ability to see that in people. There are folks who are not of the best character. And the discerning of spirits certainly would be able to help you in in dealing with that. It's a very important thing. And in the body of Christ, of course, we have to deal with God We have to deal with the adversary and we're dealing with the flesh and we're dealing with the world. There's the story in Acts chapter 16 where this man Paul is walking around and the Bible says there was a a little girl in verse 16 and she was possessed with a spirit of divination. She was like a psychic. Now Everybody else thought it was normal the way she conducted herself. But she's. She she made a lot of money for her handlers, as it says in Acts sixteen, sixteen, because she was soothsaying. That's another way of saying prophesy. So you can see there's false prophecy too then. Well in verse seventeen she followed Paul and said these men are servants of the most high God, that's true, which show unto us the way of salvation, that's true. But in verse 18, she did this over several days. Paul was grieved and he turned and said to the spirit, I commend you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And, and he came out the very same hour. Now, he knew this was a demon spirit. Otherwise, he wouldn't have spoke to the spirit and said, come out. So God had to have given him a manifestation of the discerning of spirits to know what he was dealing with. And God, he, he does that. He open up your eyes from time to time to help you to know that or you will just know inwardly. And remember, she spoke truth, part of the truth. She said these are servants of the most high God who show the way of salvation. So even the devil, when using his people, can introduce parts or portions of the truth. But that person still can be full of the devil. Because of Jesus temptation, Satan came to him and said, look, Throw yourself down off this cliff because the Bible does say the angels will bear you up. So the devil knew the word, and he can quote the word, but what the devil won't do is he won't obey the word. See? And he doesn't have any fear or any reverence of God. As a Christian, it's interesting to me that in discerning spirit, that God opens our eyes to see things, and even people that are religious and follow the lord sometimes can become a conduit of evil jesus said to peter one time when jesus was saying i'm getting ready to leave and peter said oh no you're not going nowhere we're gonna be with you all the all these days and you you can't disappear on us and jesus turned and said to the spirit satan i rebuke you you savor us not the things of god but the things of man peter had no idea that all of a sudden, what was coming out of his mouth was not in line with what the word of God says. So even in the body of Christ, we can see that. And we have in the book of Acts also the times where people's eyes were open to see angels. And, and that certainly is a discerning of, of, of the spirit. Have you've ever had a dream and in the dream you knew you were dealing with something demonic then that's that's similar manifestations, especially if God opens up your eyes to somebody you're dealing with or somebody you're interacting with. I had a guy one time that it wasn't a dream. I was in the elevator with him, actually, and I can't remember where we were going, but as he was talking, his his face just totally disappeared, and all I saw was a black cloud. And he was talking to me, and I'm sure I was probably conversing with him, but all I saw was that black cloud and I wasn't even really paying attention to anything he said after that. But I knew from, from the Spirit of God, there's something not right here. And so I started distancing myself from him. And then, of course, later on, come to find out this guy was involved with all kinds of pornography and stuff and had some Bible college students engaged in a whole lot of wickedness and stuff like that. God to open up your eyes. Got to give you the ability... <laughs> to discern sometimes what's going on in a, in a person's life. And when the devil does manifest and you know it's the devil, then you just use the name of Jesus. That's where the power is. Use the name of Jesus. and You don't ever have to be afraid. And certainly that is what the devil uh, certainly wants. He wants you to be scared. But in a church service, we still need to be able to discern the presence of the spirit of God. Yeah. To have an understanding of when God, the Holy Ghost is operating. Now, some people don't sense that because they don't always uh, have that kind of a relationship with God and all church services aren't the same. Because there are a whole lot of church services where you, there'd never be any presence of God anyhow, so there wouldn't be anything to discern. But, but there is a, a power or a glory or a presence that can descend, and you realize God is at work now. And then sometimes only, the best thing to do is just sit tight, don't say anything, just enjoy God. And just saturate yourself with the presence of the king. And this is what Paul is trying to get over to the Corinthians. When we come over to the uh, different kinds of tongues here in verse 10, this, this takes us again uh, back over into 1 Corinthians 14. Paul gave a significant amount of time to prophecy and tongues and interpretation because those are three manifestations that produce a lot of confusion and they produce a, a lot of, how um, do I don't want to say it, a lot of error certainly a lot of error so let's let's see what paul says about these well in first corinthians 14 verse number two he that speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men but unto who unto god for no man understandeth him Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries sometimes when uh you hear someone speaking in other tongues, in a service, you need to realize that uh, this person isn't necessarily talking to you. Because there are people who get angry. They'll say things like this. I just don't understand why when I go to church I have to ever hear somebody speak in tongues. Well, probably the same reason when you go to a restaurant, you get irritated when you hear somebody speaking in Spanish or German or Polish because they're not talking to you and it bothers you because you don't know what's being said. Well, when you come to the house of God, but when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, able to speak in other tongues, then, of course, verse two, it says this person is not speaking to men, but is speaking unto God. They're speaking mysteries, something that is not understandable by the one that's hearing. Sometimes even by the one that's speaking. This is why Paul later tells us that he that speaks with tongues should pray that he may interpret. So I don't, I don't get angry with people if I hear uh, somebody uh, speaking with, with tongues in a service. Here's, here's what I do know, and we can see this as we uh, march through this. If, if I'm in a prayer meeting, and the whole purpose of the prayer meeting is to talk to God, then I don't want anybody harassing me or bothering me if you hear me praying in tongues. Because I'm not talking to anybody in the sanctuary anyway. I'm, I'm giving my time to the king. So let's go on a little bit further with this. Verse 3, we talked about the prophecy and mentioned that briefly. Verse 4, he that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now we have our English word edifice as a building, a structure. The person who prays in the spirit then is able to empower their inward man. How that all operates, I can't Get all into that. But but Paul does say that he edifies himself, but he did prophesy edifies the church. So we want the entire body of the church to be built up. But if I'm if I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm only building myself up. Which is why it's not good for me to just come to church and just spend all my time talking in tongues if I'm supposed to be teaching. Because who gets the benefit out of that if everybody comes and sits and listens to me talking in tongues? I'm the only one who benefits. You don't receive a thing. So this is why he said that the person who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one that prophesies edifies the church. Now he says in verse five, I wish that everybody speak with tongues. Baptists. Methodists, Lutherans, friends, Quakers, see, everybody. That's what Paul said. I wish everybody did. But rather that you what? Prophesy. He said, I'd rather that you hear something in your own language. Greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongue, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So the the way that I met Tiffany's mom, was because of a manifestation of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We were down at Jimmy Swaggart's church. I was on the front pew and we were doing the little praise and worship stuff. And in my heart, I knew somebody was going to give an utterance in tongues and I was going to give the interpretation. So I walked over to the pulpit section where Jimmy Swaggart and all the preachers and bodyguards were. And, and when I got over there, they saw me coming. So one guy, John Clouser, jumps up to try to come to see what, what I wanted. Because, you know, you got a lot of kooks that come down there. So they're trying to make sure nothing happens to the pastor. So he said, what do you need? I said, well, I just want to know in this church, what's the protocol for manifestations of tongues and interpretation and he then he told me and then and then he said well you won't have to worry about it because he he just didn't think it was going to happen that night and he certainly didn't know me it's the first time he'd ever seen me so I no sooner turned and walked back to the front pew and a lady named Deborah Washington gives an utterance in tongues then I gave the interpretation and That was how I ended up meeting, uh, Tiffany's mom because that, that service, everything changed in that service. Power of God fell in that place. I think we had church problems for another hour and a half, two hours. Not a baby cried. Nobody left. We just sat in the presence of God. Brother Swagger fell out the chair, weeping and crying. We were all, some of us were stretched out praying and talking to the king, but the presence of God was thick in that place. So afterwards, her mom wanted to talk to me and understand how all of that kind of operated. And, and function well we, we we know then if there's an utterance in tongues and if there's an interpretation it is the equivalent to a prophecy equivalent because understanding has come if 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 I stand up here and say as I'm saying now in English God loves you you understand that But if I stand up here and say in Arabic, God loves you, you won't get a thing out of that. But if after I say in Arabic, God loves you, I turn around and interpret it or somebody else interprets it, then you still get the benefit out of it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. so verse number six, then. He says, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by. Now here are four different kinds or aspects of tongues, revelation, knowledge, prophesying or by doctrine. Think about that. If I come speaking with tongues, how is it going to benefit you unless I speak by revelation? What's revelation? Revelation. The tongue is going to reveal something hidden, something that has not been known before. I can give a whole lot of illustrations on that. Or it reveals some kind of knowledge. See? Knowledge. That manifestation can reveal information that you need, or then it says it can be the equal of prophesying. That's what the tongue and interpretation. It can be predictive. It can be edification, exhortation, comfort, or by doctrine. It can instruct or provide teaching. Now, I saw somebody one time when I was in Canton, Ohio. There was a a prayer meeting early in the morning. I had a good friend of mine. He had just gotten out of the Navy. I'd gotten out of the Marine Corps, so we wanted to go to this meeting. And there were thousands of people there. And we had to stand outside maybe for 45 minutes to an hour to get in. And then the man taught and we were way in the back. But you could see up front, they had all of these people on stretchers and folks on gurneys because there were hospital uh, ambulances and stuff out there. And I watched this preacher uh, as he was ministering, walk up to somebody who was stretched out on a stretcher, unable to move, unable to walk. And he stopped and he spoke in tongues over him. And then after he spoke in tongues, then he interpreted. And then he said to the man in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And we all watched the man get up off of the gurney, and he was totally healed by the power of God. Now, I knew it was real, not by just watching him, but looking at the one that brought him. Because the one that brought him started yelling and screaming. They weren't going to fake. They were the ones that got him out of the hospital to bring it, see? So when, 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 when God is moving in a powerful way, he can reveal some very interesting things. There's, there's no... No doubt about it. Okay. Uh, Verse 6. So you have four different aspects of this. This revelation. And we have knowledge. Well, let me give uh, something else related to this revelation part. I was in Cleveland, Tennessee. And I was down at a Bible college. And in the... uh, the service there earlier that day I had sang a song on the blood and so the the speaker that that week uh, was a lady named Billy Brent comes on television a lot and so that evening she had taught and it was a meeting where they were teaching on the Holy Spirit and all of that and so she remembered me from the morning service and that asked me to come up and sing that song on the blood. So I did, and I got up on the platform, started singing it, and when I was singing it, it came to the end of the song and the Spirit of God came on me and I had utterance in tongue. Now we've got hundreds of people out here and nothing but Bible college students in front of us and so I give this utterance in tongues but now the interpretation is coming to me so I know what I'm saying what I'm about to say so I reached out and I grabbed Mrs. Brim had both her hands together like that I grabbed her wrist because my hands are big enough to wrap around them and her daughter Shelly was on the other side so I grabbed her I started giving the interpretation and as I was giving that interpretation she was kind of going down and, and and I was holding her up because she was going down under the power of God. And I held her up until I gave that interpretation. When I was done, I said, now, call all these Bible college students up and then you go down there now and lay your hands on them and pray for them so all them bible college students came and she stepped out there lifted her hands never touched one of them every single one of them fell under the power of god and they lay there for the next hour hour and a half having dreams and visions and then got up telling testimonies of visions of jesus being called to the ministry well she told me after that service she said you said things to me that only my spiritual father and other people had said to me, nobody could have known that. Well, I didn't know that because I didn't know her. See, first time I'd ever been around her. Last time I'd been around her. But, but the point is that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit everybody, but it has to come through the Holy Ghost. A person can't make it happen. People I've seen people try to make things happen. But if God is moving, it just looks kind of awkward when you try to make it look like he's moving and he's not. Yeah. When he's not. Look at verse seven. He says, even things without life, giving sound, whether a pipe or a harp talking about instruments, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who will prepare themselves to the battle? So likewise, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you'll speak into the air. Yeah, just again, if somebody comes in here and and they're speaking Danish. We don't have a clue what in the world they're saying, but they're they're saying something and they're making sense to themselves. But I'm trying to figure out what in the world they're talking about. They could have said to me, bend down and pick up a piece of paper, but I'm just looking at them. Because I don't see any paper down there, and even if there was paper down there, I wouldn't have the understanding to do that. But if they then told me what they said, I could bend down and pick up the paper. This is what 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 Paul is is saying. There has to be a certain distinction in the sound. So when you hear when you hear the 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 7 a.m. or the noon siren go off in the morning or the 6 p.m. siren in the evening like they do in Red Cloud, then people know it's time to go to work, it's time for lunch, the day is ended. That's what they know. But then, you know, they took that same sound and they put that sound on the top of an ambulance. And so now an ambulance goes by and you hear that siren, and when you first hear it, you're wondering, is it time of refreshment or has there been a tragedy? But there has to be a distinction in the sound. Just like with the sound of the siren going off when it's tornado time. Everybody knows when they hear that sound. That does not mean go outside and look around. That means find shelter immediately. So Paul is saying in the local church then, our operation should provide precise direction to people. Look at verse verse 10. There are a whole lot of voices, many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them are without signification. That means none of them are without the ability to transmit knowledge. Therefore, if I don't know the meaning of the voice, I'll be unto him that speaks a barbarian. And the one that speaks to me a barbarian. You let somebody run up, let a nine-year-old kid who's a Hispanic, Spanish-speaking person run up to... A German lady in her 70s and start talking to her in Spanish and the German lady would be looking at her like, what in the world are you saying? But then if that same German lady responds with language in German and the little boy doesn't know. Then here we have two people trying to converse with each other and they both seem like, as the old word described, barbarians. Which comes from the Greek word that just means it sounds like they're saying bar, 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 because you don't know what they're saying. That's the that's the whole point. We we need to understand what it is that the other is saying. So verse 12, he says, even so ye, for as much as you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So, if a person gives an utterance in tongues, that person should pray that he can interpret. And if you're the kind of person who spends time alone praying in the spirit, then ask God to ask God to tell you what's being prayed. He can reveal that. He can give that kind of information and insight. Um, In verse 14, it says, if I pray in a a tongue, my spirit prays. So now you know what's taking place inwardly. If, If a person is praying, see, it's called a prayer. If they're speaking in other tongues, then it's a prayer. So there are two different aspects here that Paul is dealing with. Two aspects. We've got the tongue where people are together corporately. And somebody gives an utterance and then somebody gives the interpretation. But then you also have when people as individual Christians are alone and praying. Because I've heard people say, well, it just seems to me when I hear somebody speaking in tongue, it's gibberish. Well, whatever it sounds to you, the Bible says they're praying. And if they're praying, they're talking to God. So if they're talking to God, they're not talking to you. So even if it sounds like gibberish, it doesn't matter. Now, I I think somebody like... um, Uh, Maybe Julian over there, he might he might still remember one or two Spanish words or something like that. And but but I, I guarantee you, if he started praying in Spanish and he was in a location where people didn't know who he was, then there would probably be people that would say that sounds like gibberish to me. But he knows he's praying. And I know that when I'm spending time with God alone and I'm praying that even if it doesn't make sense to some people, it makes sense to him. And he's the one I'm talking to. So I want him to be uh, responded to me. So verse 14 says, if I pray in the spirit, my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I'll pray with the spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. I pray in the spirit. I pray in English. That's what he's saying. I pray with my understanding in English. I'll sing with the Spirit. I also sing with my understanding. Yes. I've been in lovely services where I have sang in the Spirit and heard other people singing in the Spirit. I had someone here telling me not too long ago about a service they were in, this might have been 30 years ago, where they said on either side of the room, People were laid out and praying in a meeting and talking to God and said two people on either side started singing in other tongues and they were singing the same thing. Said just making beautiful harmony. Said they'd never heard anything like that before. And then afterwards someone gets up and gives an interpretation. So with with God, it's it's a remarkable, remarkable thing. Uh, one preacher, when God filled him with the Holy Spirit in Bible college, he spoke in tongues for four hours, four hours. And, and just he said he just like he couldn't stop. But but later on, a few days later, one of the other Bible college students from Italy came up to him and walked up to him and said something to him in, in Italian. And the guy said, I don't speak a word of Italian. I said, of course you do. I just sat there the other day in the service. And I heard you talking for two hours. In Italian, see? And, and then in that same Bible college here, shortly thereafter, then another gentleman who was from Athens came up to him and spoke to him in Greek. And God told him, I don't know a word of what you're saying. He said, I'm speaking to you in Greek. He said, I've never studied Greek, don't know anything about Greek. He said, of course you did. I was in that meeting the other day. You spoke, the last two hours was in Greek. I don't know what you were saying beforehand, but the last two hours were in Greek. Think about that. So when when, when God is, is moving, then it is just a powerful thing. And for the for people to say something like, Well, I, I just don't think God does this today. He just may not do that where you are. But that doesn't mean he doesn't do that today. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt about that. He 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 definitely hadn't changed in his mode and his operation as long as he has people that have a hunger. So verse 16. He said, or else when you shall bless with the spirit, how shall he that that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks, seeing that he doesn't understand. So if you invited me to dinner. And then you said, "Okay, pastor, would you please go ahead and say grace over the meal? And then all of a sudden I go to praying in tongues. And then, I mean, afterwards, I said, "Woo! all right. Everybody, and everybody said, and then nobody would say amen because they didn't know what I just said. That's what—that's the point he's trying to make here. And and this is one of the reasons, especially when we come down here in verse 17, 18, 19. Let me, let me say this first. Uh, For you verily give thanks well, but the others not edify. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I'd rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice I might teach others also than ten thousand words in a tongue. Okay, this is one of the reasons in our churches. Uh, that I don't usually get up and say, okay, everybody, we're going to start, we're going to open the service with prayer. I want everybody to just start praying in tongues as loud and as fast as they can. I've been in a whole lot of services where they do that. I don't do that. And the reason I don't do that, because what if you've got visitors there? And then the other side of, side of that is, uh, we're, are we opening the service and praying, asking God to bless it, or we're praying to God privately? See, it's a matter of order and understanding what Paul is saying. But there have been plenty of times where I've been in services having to preach, and that is exactly how the pastor opens the service. He thinks it's about to take us into blast-off level with with spirituality, and I'm just thinking this is just utter confusion right now. Because here's this woman that just brought grandma, and then here's this other person just brought their best friend from the job, and, and they're standing in the middle of all of this, and they hear all these people you know, speaking in tongues and hear somebody over here saying tiddly what? Then somebody over here, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola and whatever else they might be saying. And they're trying. What, what is this? They're trying to figure that out. See, they're trying to figure it out. But but if I got up in front of a service and I've done this plenty of times, even in the middle of my sermons, I've had this happen where I'm preaching. And then in the middle of the me- in the middle of the message, I give utterance in tongues. And then I come right behind and give an interpretation. My. When you do that, then that's scriptural and that's in order because everybody's been edified by what has been stated. Look at verse 20. Brethren, don't be children in understanding, but in malice be children. He's saying, let's be mature in our understanding of the things of God. But when it comes to anger and wrath, then let's be like kids. How are kids? They get over it quick. Yeah. I, I know they do because, I mean, I've made a whole lot of kids mad. Some of you in here. Yeah. When, when when kids were little, I'd come up behind them and, you know, you're not supposed to do this, but I'd come up behind them and <laughs> frighten them <laughs> and scare them. And You know, some, some kids don't like to be tossed up in the air and they start crying. They say, Pastor, don't do that. And I just kept tossing them up in the air. You know, whatever. But I know they get over it quick because the next day I come back and I say, would you like to go get some ice cream? (laughs) Yeah. And where they had been turning their back to me and didn't want to have anything to do with me. The word ice cream means let's go get in the car and go. Pastor, we forgive you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. so in verse 21 Here's what Paul says in the law. It is written with men of other tongues and other lips. Will I speak unto this people? And yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. H- had you ever thought before that the Old Testament actually tells you that people later on are going to speak with tongues? That's what that says. That's why Paul is quoting. It. Yeah, that, that is why he is citing this. And you can probably see. From your center column reference or from your marginalia there that this is from Isaiah. Eight hundred years before Jesus was born in the Old Testament, they were saying people are going to speak with other tongues. And then this is what Jesus said in Mark 16. They shall speak with other tongues. And then in the book of Acts, this is what happened. So look at verse 22 and we'll start wrapping things up. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. This is why we need them in the church. This is why. See, not for the Christian, but for the unbeliever also. If a, if a sinner comes into a congregation and hears and sees that manifestation and it's of God they'll be able to sense the presence of God and know this is real yeah but don't misunderstand me I I, I can do a whole message on what I call blooper prophecies and blooper tongues and interpretation where I know it wasn't God I'm telling you I've seen a whole lot of that too and and the hair on the back of your neck stands up but it's not because it's God because you do, you just you just get a weird sensation about a lot of this, but when when this is functioning the way it's supposed to, it helps the church, and it leads people out of sin and into the kingdom of God. Yeah, the, the presence and the power of the King. Okay. Um, Where do I want to stop it with this? Verse 23 says, if the churches come together and somebody comes in who doesn't know anything about this or doesn't believe, and he hears everybody speaking in tongues, he'll say they're all crazy. Haven't we heard that before? Yeah. And so, of course, in in modern times, people have all kinds of labels and um, descriptions for spirit-filled churches. So they say, you have you been hanging out with them holy rollers? Now, I've been in full gospel church all my life, and I've never seen anybody rolling down the floor. But I keep hearing about holy rollers and everything. And, and then I used to hear when I was younger, they say, them people down at that Pentecostal church or them full gospel people, they spit fire. I've been in church a long time. I hadn't never seen any fire going any direction. No, they, they swing from the chandeliers. Well, most of them can't even afford chandeliers. So you don't see a whole lot of that. But but I think these stereotypes come because you have people who don't believe in that. And sometimes the best way to keep your group from getting to know people in that group is by disparaging that group. So people won't want to come around at all, because if 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 folks know that you know, you spend some time with some people that believe in this kind of stuff, then, you know, they may be wanting to check you in with Gail and uh, let Gail uh, ask you a few questions or something like that. But, folks, there was a time when the spirit-filled life was not so popular, but right now I don't think you can go anywhere on the earth where somebody doesn't have a family member a friend or somebody that speaks with tongues. Every major television network that you find on is uh, owned by somebody full of the Holy Ghost. From Daystar, the TBN channels, Impact channels, and... uh, Sun life broadcasting, everything you can possibly think of is just filled with that because there's something in this that produces in people a desire to step out in faith and tell people about this. And you can go to South America, the Middle East, the fastest growing people groups amongst the churches are spirit filled people. And that just has to do with the manifestation of the spirit. Unless you think this is just outside mainstream denominations, I can bring some people in here and they can tell you about the uh, renewal in the 70s amongst the Lutherans. They can tell you about it amongst the Methodists and amongst the Baptists. I mean, many of them got the left foot of fellowship. So get on out of here. But nevertheless, God was moving. Because when the spirit of God starts working, he transcends all these denominational walls because people are hungry for God. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so let's let's just stop right here. And if we have a little bit more to say on this, we'll get get right on top of this next week also. But I, I want you to just remember First Corinthians 14, verse one, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Walk in love, folks. Be a loving person. But Simultaneously. Say, Father, this, I'm, I'm hungry for this. Lord, I, I, I want this. I know you're the giver. I'm not interested in gifts. I need the giver. But the more of you I have and the more of myself I surrender to you, the more of you will be manifested through me. And if you're manifested through me, people will come to know Christ and lives will be changed. And you don't know how God will do this in your life. What if you start having dreams and visions and the Lord starts speaking to you about your relatives or your employer, your employee and shows you that you need to get up and pray for them? Yeah. What if you say to somebody, I do want to pray for you and ask God to do this or do that. And then you do lay hands on them and pray. Or maybe you don't lay hands and pray, but they're still touched by the power of God. or God does something miraculous. Because I know a whole lot of people that are praying, Lord, open up a door for me of employment here or God rearrange some circumstances in my life so that these things can fall into place. And if God does it, it's still a miracle. Yeah, still a miracle. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And we're grateful to be able to look into the scriptures. We're a hungry people. And, and we don't just want church as usual, certainly don't want a boring Christian life. But we need you every day, God, to operate through us, in us, on our behalf. And Lord, I can tell you right now, my appetite today is no less than it was when I was a teenager. Still wanting more and more of you and still wanting to give you more and more of me. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. 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 Anybody-